Welcome to another interview with a Northern business leader. Our series of interviews sponsored by the professional services firm Deloitte. I'm recording this interview at Keelan Farm Shop in the Yorkshire Dales. Why I'm at Keelan Farm Shop? We'll explain at the end of the interview. But in this edition, we're talking to one of the great entrepreneurs of the North, one of Yorkshire's most successful business people, and he founded HomeServe PLC. HomeServe is an international repairs and improvements business which provides people with access to tradespeople and technology to help them run their homes more easily. HomeServe operates in six countries. It offers home assistance to over 100 million homeowners through 600 utility providers. Richard Harpin, our guest today, is also a previous winner of the UK Entrepreneur of the Year Award and was last year's Institute of Directors Director of the Year in Yorkshire. Richard, welcome to Northern Business Leaders. You've been an entrepreneur all your life. I read your book and you were an entrepreneur as a child. How did your childhood figure when it came to buying and selling? I think half of entrepreneurs are born entrepreneurs, the other half sort of stumble into it. And for some reason, uh, I was born an entrepreneur. And I really wanted to run my own business and um, got into it early. And the first business was mail order fly tying materials. Right. So I don't have the patience to fly fish myself, but learned how to tie flies and sold them to local fishing tackle shops and then thought, hold on a minute, they're making all the money. What I should be doing is importing all the feathers and hooks for other fly tires to uh, make flies. And uh, so that's what we did and started a, uh, there was no internet in those days. So this was a mail order fishing tackle business uh, set up with hundred pounds uh, at the age of 15. Great. And I, I noticed I saw some old press cuttings where even at that stage you understood the importance of diversifying because I saw a press cutting where you were using some of these fly ties and making them into women's earrings. That was really about the importance of listening to customers. And uh, we used to do a retail experience with the fishing tackle business, which was the National Game Fair, 100,000 fishermen. And the wives and girlfriends and sisters of all these fishermen said, "Ooh." they'd make nice earrings. <laughs> so that was my market research done. Uh, we literally cut off the end of the hook, added kidney wires and put them in uh, plastic bags on cards and uh, sold them in hair salons. Fantastic. And um, I came up with the name Danglers. <laughs> and I had somebody that advised me at the time because I was still only about 16 or 17 and said, oh, you can't possibly call them danglers. <laughs> that infers something unseemly and organic. You should call them hookers. <laughs> so uh, uh, perhaps even worse. <laughs> so with my £20 marketing budget at the time, uh, did a national press release and put it out to uh, newspapers and radio stations and TV channels and got on all of them. And it was the headline, hookers set to hit UK high streets. <laughs> because I was only 17 years of age, uh, great story, fishing tackle to high fashion earrings. They did really, really well for about nine months. And then uh, the fashion just died. So uh, I also have rented properties, a letting business in uh, Newcastle upon Tyne, where I spent a, a large part of my life. And uh, I think that rented property 
where there are 15,000 hookers' earrings still in the loft. <laughs> uh, one day soon, one of the tenants is going to climb the loft ladder, find these earrings, just as they come back into fashion again. That'd be uh, hopefully their win. Well, that's a fascinating story and uh, very amusing as well, but you certainly gave you a taste for it, uh, uh, an early success. Uh, I know you went into uh, uh, into um, a more conventional business life at Procter & Gamble, which I don't think we'll need to talk about at great length in this interview because we're interested in your business life. Your first business, though, was uh, a predecessor to HomeServe, wasn't it? It was. I think it was called FastFix. Tell us about that and how it then generated or morphed into HomeServe. FastFix came out of property letting and management and uh, uh, with a business partner we'd bought and refurbished some houses in Newcastle mainly let to young professionals buy the room and we set up a, um, a managing agent but the big issue was tenants calling on a Friday evening saying uh, help uh, the, the, uh, the drains are blocked or the boiler's not working and the difficulty in finding a good plumber or heating engineer that would come out quickly and charge a fair price meant that was our next business opportunity. So as you say, we set a business called Fast Fix Plumbing and Heating and uh, it struggled. Difficult to make money. Uh, it was losing about £10,000 a month, but I still believed in the idea and thought, isn't there some logic in water utilities and a plumbing and heating business? Mm. This was at the time in the, uh, the 90s where uh, the water companies had been privatised. They were looking for extra income streams. So we went round every single water company saying, how about buying into a plumbing and heating business? And they all said no, with one exception. And that was South Staffordshire Water. And they said, well, come and write us a business plan. Tell us how it would work, which I did. Spent a couple of months doing that in... Uh, the late part of uh, 1992, uh, wrote the plan and it said, put in £100,000, it will break even in year one and make a million pounds profit by year five. And four months later, the water company board agreed to the investment. And did it? And so, uh, no, I don't think I've ever really written a five-year plan again because the business burnt through half a million pounds of their money in the first year. And what I learned, and it was a useful learning point, is as the business grew, the break-even line got further and further away and because all I was growing was a, a business that hadn't found the right model. Right. Now, you've got this fantastic model. I'll just quickly explain. It's, it's like reversing into the problem because you're insuring it. Yeah, and that was uh, very difficult to make money out of one-off plumbing repairs because uh, people don't require those very often. Out of desperation, when the business was about to be closed at the end of the first year and the 20 odd people that we had in the business thought they were about to lose their jobs, I found a little water company in Sutton in Surrey who offered a plumbing insurance scheme and sat in a focus group with some of their customers and uh, they said, we love the product, but we don't need these bits in it. But why doesn't it also cover plumbing and drains as well as my underground water pipe? So we added those bits in. So I copied the idea, improved upon it with the final thousand pounds that the business had got left before it was closed. We sent out a thousand leaflets and 38 people sent in the check for 50 pounds, right. a 3.8% take up rate. And that was uh, fantastic. 
I got on my office desk in front of the 20 people that were about to be made redundant saying, yes, we've made it. And we had, because then we signed up almost every other water company in the UK on the same sort of affinity marketing model, annual cover for your plumbing and drains, and then we extended it to electrics and, uh, and boilers. And uh, the half a million pounds of loss in the first year uh, went to three quarters of a million in year two. And by year five, the business was making seven million pounds profit and would expand it across the UK. So it just goes to show all plans, well, very few plans survive the first heat of battle, whether it be business plans or military. Really, it's about that, uh, that first year or two years of planning. And it is important to, you mentioned it earlier, it's really important to pivot. And if we've got the model wrong, then you should put your hands up and say, we haven't quite got the right model. Let's change it until we can find a, uh, a model that works. Uh, the same was true when we got to about the year 2000. HomeServe had been going for seven years and said, maybe this model could work internationally. Uh, we picked France. And I joke about it now and say, when people say, why did you go into France as your first international business? And I say because uh, it's a really difficult country to um, employ people in and to be successful in. So if we can make it work there, we can make it work anywhere. And we almost didn't. The model we adapted to take into France didn't work. We had to go back to the very original way that we launched the business in the UK. And guess what? That worked. So 90% of the model, regardless of the other countries that we go into, uh, we stick to uh, the same principles. Perversely, when it came to expanding abroad uh, into an English-speaking country with a similar judicial system, America, you found some difficulties there and had to switch your tactics, didn't you? Uh, we made the same mistakes that many British businesses make in, uh, in going, going to America. Um, we'd been there for five years and it was going really slowly. Hmm. Uh, I'm not very clever, so but I do... Uh, seek out people that uh, are much cleverer than me. And the person I found was Nigel Morris, the co-founder of Capital One. Mm. He was a Brit, but he'd really become American because he'd lived in Washington, D.C. for 18 years. And I wrote to him and he ignored me. I emailed him. I called him. And eventually, to stop me interrupting him, he said, OK, I submit. Uh, I'll give you two hours of my time next time you're over in the US. I said, oh, uh, it uh, just so happens I'm, uh, I'm there tomorrow. And of course I wasn't, <laughs> but I got on the first flight to Washington DC and he gave me three hours of his time, not two. And he said, um, so who have you got running a US business? I said, a great British guy who was running the UK, did a fantastic job, mistake number one. You've got to have an American running your US business otherwise you won't be taken seriously. And he said, and where are you, where are you based over here? And I said, Miami. No, no, you need to be uh, in a place between Boston, New York, Washington, DC, where you can hire great Americans that are focused on the career, not the guys that want to um, finish work at four o'clock and go to the beach, mm. which we'd recruited in Miami. So the main thing when you take advice is to listen. So we relocated our operation out of Miami to uh, Connecticut, an hour north of New York. 
and hired a great management team, including an American that uh, joined and has really made our business successful uh, in the US. To the extent that now 4 million of our 8.5 million customers are in the US and the business makes more money now uh, in the US than the UK, which was set up um, 10 years earlier. Well, it has been a phenomenal success and a lot of your wealth is derived from the success of HomeServe, but you have again decided to branch out and you've become the new owners of Checker Trade. Many of the people watching this will know the jingle checkertrade.com, they see it on the television all the time. What have you done as you've taken over that business to pivot it and move it towards its next phase? Yeah, so um, uh, I was always on the lookout for business models that fit within HomeServe because I'm a great believer that uh, every business needs to reinvent. Great last year that we celebrated our 25th anniversary in HomeServe. If we want to be around for 50 years, which we do, then we need to develop the business model. And I saw a business back in 2016 that had lost money for 15 years and then suddenly got to profitability. Not a few million dollars, and this was a business based in the US, but $40 million of profit in our sort of marketplace. It was an online platform for finding a local tradesman for a home improvement or repair, like uh, a new bathroom, new kitchen, uh, re-roofing your house and thought really interesting. The business was called Home Advisor and thought, is there anybody like that in the UK? And we did some market research which said, uh, where do you go as a homeowner if you want to find a local tradesman online? And I thought the research would come back saying Google or another search engine, and it didn't. It came back saying 49% of people go to Checker Trade. Wow and thought, I've heard that jingle, so I sort of know them, but I don't quite know how the model works. Looked up the founder, who was still the chief exec of the business, uh, based on the south coast of England, went down to see him, said, I love your business. Uh, he said, I really love HomeServe, but I can't tell you much more because I'm selling my business to a big American media group next week. Oh my. And I thought, that sounds like a bad idea, uh, I think it'd be better if um, Checker Tra Trade was bought by HomeServe. So uh, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, I managed to persuade him to sell 40% of his business to HomeServe rather than those uh, terrible Americans. And I joke <laughs> because we've got great Americans in our business. I love America. Uh, but buying that 40% of Checker Trade a year later, I love the business so much that uh, we bought out the other 60%. And uh, what I'm clear about is platform businesses generate real value for consumers, real value for shareholders. You look at Booking.com, Airbnb, uh, our UK examples, Rightmove, Just Eat, AutoTrader. And we can become a global business in what we call our home experts model, helping homeowners to make home improvements and repairs easy. And the way to do that is to go to Checker Trade, find a local trade. And as part of that, if they want to buy home assistance cover, then we can sell them that as part of that opportunity. We've only got a couple of moments left. 
In the last moment, I want to talk to you about how you're using your own wealth to fund other businesses on a smaller scale than Checker Trade through growth partners. We're in the Keelham Farm Shop in North Yorkshire. Would you mind showing me around and telling me what you've done? I'd love to do that. Well, let's pause there and have a look around. Richard, we're in the Keelham Farm Shop. It's a fantastic shop. And you know, you've funded it through Growth Partners. What is Growth Partners and why did you invest in the Keelan Farm Shop? Growth Partner I set up with the objective of inspiring other entrepreneurs. I've been lucky enough to build HomeServe into a large business and wanted to find great entrepreneurs running a great consumer business. And uh, Victoria Robertshaw, who um, founded Keelan Farm Shop and has grown it into an amazing business, uh, I thought, uh, I love the business and really want to back her. So uh, here we are today. Now, its turnover is something else for a farm shop. I would have thought farm shops, you see them normally, they're quite small enterprises. Maybe we'd be lucky to turn over half a million a year. What's this doing now? Uh, and I think half a million is about the average for a farm shop. Keelum is turning over 10 million pounds a year. Wow. And it's a great service. It's in the community. It helps people with health the um, healthy eating, uh, locally sourced produce from local farmers and um, so what we need to do is have Keelan Farm shops across the whole of Yorkshire and one day across the whole of the UK. And your growth partner business, which is not related to HomeServe, is going to do that, help be a partner and help this business grow. You're not going to take it over from Victoria. We have a small team of people that are um, uh, helping Victoria to grow. Uh, we've invested in a few other businesses. Um, I'm able to put in my ideas and a bit of inspiration and all the mistakes that I've made as an entrepreneur to hopefully help Victoria and the other entrepreneurs that I'm backing and um, hope to see that um, that will work one day. Well, Richard Harpin, thank you very much. Richard is our latest Northern Business Leader to talk to us on this interview. Watch again, you'll see some other great entrepreneurs who are making it in business in the north of England. And this is brought to you in association with the professional services firm Deloitte.